We're ready to give our Father thanks this morning. Before we start, I told him I was going to embarrass him, but I just want to just no, let him know how proud I am of him. We have our uh, we have a drummer here, and he's our youth drummer, and he's been excelling in things, and he's been moving and moving and moving. I'm excited to just have him here and helping us, and it's just a great thing that he just comes in and just catches on. You know, comes in and just catches on, and like. That's nothing but God. Like, you know what I mean? You can't just hop on something like that and just roll with the flow. And he's been, he's been doing good, you know? So I just want to encourage you youth to continue to step up and be an assemble to this community. Continue to just step up and, and, and just show these adults that you can, you can worship at any age and you, can, and you can get God honor at any age and just to let these guys know that Jesus is the king, right? Are we ready to give our Father praise?
you hear us we wait for you we expect from you God we love you Lord we sing we love you Lord you've given me freedom free of darkness free of tears I'll stay in my freedom. You are faithful every day. I'm never forsaken when there's trouble in the way. I lift my gaze up higher. Prosper. I 
That's the goal of a new program started tonight by a local church after bullets took two young lives in Beaver County. Thank you for joining us tonight at 11. I'm Maurice Jones. KDK's Lauren Linder is in Ambridge with more.
In recent weeks, youth here in Beaver County have watched two of their classmates fall victim to gun violence. The incidents have left an impact, but a local church is trying to help and is why they gathered here outside Ambridge High School. I just don't understand it. I really don't. Liliana Nino is still processing the deaths of two 15 year olds in Beaver County. Shot and killed less than 24 hours apart. Kids? I mean, come on, it's kids. Two weeks ago, a 17-year-old allegedly shot Dabier Sparrow in Aliquippa. The next day, an 18-year-old and another person allegedly shot a Sean Moreland in Ambridge. The district attorney says the shooters in both cases murdered the teen's execution style. It doesn't make me feel safe here anymore. So Pastor Rick Thornhill of New Hope Community Church in Ambridge decided to take action. We wanted to just say, hey, we're going to be here. We're going to be out. It's safe to send your kids out. Yeah. On Friday, he and members of his congregation kicked off a new weekly program to try to help kids heal and stay busy. He can relate to them, having watched his son-in-law get shot in 2020. And I know what it is to be scared and to be fearful. And, you know, I, I know that the sun will shine and it'll be a brighter day. With adults on hand, they gathered at the high school basketball courts, where kids and parents enjoyed food, played basketball and soccer, and heard from speakers. I always found myself in positions that was hard to get out of. Liliana's mom, Chelsea, welcomed the event. I think we all need to come together and we need to really figure this out because this how it's going is not a way to live. Bringing some positivity to communities that have felt so lost. Once it like brings everyone together, people are going to think like, oh, maybe I can do this again. Like I feel like more safe. Right now, the plan is to hold these events every Friday through the summer, and the church hopes to continue them in some form once the school year starts. Authorities are still looking for a second shooter in the Ambridge shooting. If you have any information about what happened, you're asked to call them. For now, reporting in Ambridge.
you know, you read all these clips and it would, you know, you'd see video news stories and it would, it would show uh, you all these crazy pictures, tent cities, you know, people going to the bathroom out on the street and, and all this. And when you go, actually go out to California and when you go to Los Angeles, as one pastor put it, of a church out there, he said, whatever you saw and whatever you watched, it's actually worse than that. And so you can kind of look at it from a distance, but when we went out to the Los Angeles Dream Center and our team, when you encounter the true homeless problem that they have in the city, it's kind of shocking. It's kind of shocking. I mean, we got into the Dream Center um, at 1 o'clock in the morning, and by 9 o'clock that same morning, we were already on the ground doing our first homeless outreach um, out in a place called MacArthur Park. And when you get out to MacArthur Park, like the geography on it, it's actually really beautiful. I mean, it's California, so you see the palm trees. There's this nice playground. There's a soccer field. Um, there's, there's like a lake in the middle of it, and there's a fountain kind of like you know, we have at the point a, a little bit smaller, but it, it seems really beautiful. But then kind of as you enter the park, it's kind of like you get thrown off and, and all of a sudden you lose all the beauty at once. I know as I began walking into the park, the first thing I saw was just some guy laying on his side like this with his pants all the way down, just kind of airing out his butt in the sun like, just right there, like right out in the open. That was the first view that I've got as soon as I started walking into the park. And then you see all these people kind of laying on the grass and the people begin coming up to you and they look very, very sick. They're, a lot of them are covered with sores on their arms and on their face. Some of them, their lips are burnt. Um, they, they're very, very skinny you know, they, they smell like you would think that a person would smell that hasn't showered in a few days and is out in the hot sun. Their, their, their teeth are, are, are rotten. And, you know, you see just open drug use, just guys with glass pipes, smoking meth, people shooting up. You know, there, there's just, you know, no fear. And, you know, you're walking around in the park and you know, you, you get the smell of, of urine and feces, and not only is there, you know, dog feces and, and geese, but there's actually piles of human, uh, you know, human feces all over the place. So you got to kind of watch where you step, and, and, you know, you see people that are literally just bent over, like, and they're just like this all day, you know. They, they call it kind of like the fentanyl crawl, and these guys are just... You know, they're, they're just down like this. And I don't even know if it's fentanyl or, or trank or whatever. There's needles laying around. And, and, and you, you, you look at it, and it's like just seems like such a godless place. And it seems like kind of like the, the bottom rung of humanity. Like how, you wonder to yourself, like how does somebody allow themselves to just, you know, degrade into, into that that bad of a shape and how is there so many people that have allowed themselves to to degrade in in that place and and I'm out there for like a like 
like an hour and, and we're handing out water and we're handing out chips and like I'm starting to feel really overwhelmed and, and I'm looking around at everything and there was part of me that was like, where is Jesus in all this? Like, where, like God, where are you? Like, why is this allowed to, to happen like this? Like, how could this be like this? Like, Jesus, where are you in all of this? And kind of as I was thinking like that, I looked over and I saw Mike Giuliani with his hands praying for somebody, just his hands outstretched, just, just praying and, and believing God with a, with a group of other people um, around him. I saw Andrew walking and, and, and just pulling a cart behind them just with, with all this bottled water just walking up to people who are all dehydrated and, and sickly looking, making sure that they have something to drink, that, that they're okay. And, and I saw all kind of groups of people from our, our ministry group just out praying with people, sitting with people in the grass. I saw Sean out there sitting with a group of people in the grass that were clearly homeless and on drugs, just connecting with them and speaking life and giving them information about the Dream Center that, that we were connected. And then all of a sudden, I was like, there it is. There is Jesus in all of this, in the midst of all the depravity, the darkness, the homelessness, the, the hopelessness. We had this group of people who all have their own story, who all have came through some things and saw God move in a powerful way. But there was this small group of people that have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb and, and the word of their testimony. And now they're invading Satan's kingdom with the love and light of Jesus Christ. That's where God was in all of that. And one thing about darkness, the darkness is always dispelled by the light. Verse, verse 5 says, the light shined in the darkness and the darkness did not comprehend it. That word comprehend in the Greek language could be translated a, a couple different ways. There's multiple interpretations, but, but they're all accurate. One meaning is that the darkness can never overcome the light. One meaning is that the darkness cannot understand the light. And a third is that the darkness can never extinguish the light. So the darkness in this world cannot overcome, it cannot understand, and it can never put out the light. The light is what makes all the darkness disappear. And for us to properly understand how we are supposed to be living as Christians, we kind of have to go back to, to John 1 and, and look at the incarnation of Jesus and to understand that Jesus was to be our pattern. Remember when the, the, the trendy Christian thing to do was have a WWJD bracelet on. Let me get my rubber bracelet, WWJD. What would Jesus do? Well, I'll tell you what Jesus did. Jesus was in the throne room of heaven in this perfect, majestic environment with, that, that's unspotted by sin, with no pain, no sickness, no death, with heavenly choirs, with angels flying around saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And Jesus looked down upon a fallen and depraved race that he himself once created and said, I'm not going to allow things to end in that way. 
Verse 3 says that all things were made through him, and without him, nothing was made that was made. And if you go back to to Genesis chapter 1, you know, Jesus didn't create these things to be in this fallen, depraved state. He made man in the image and likeness of God. That was the original plan, to be in God's very own image. What does it mean to be in God's image? Well, the one thing is that, you know, what do you see when you look in the mirror? You see your image. It's not you, but it's an image of you. And so when God created mankind, he wanted to look down from heaven and see something that that looked like him. But it wasn't just about looking like him. It was about to actually rule with him, to have dominion over the earth. As God rules in heaven, man was called to, to rule on the earth, that he placed them in a perfect environment, the Garden of Eden, that did not expand over the entire earth. And he said, be fruitful and multiply, subdue the earth, take dominion. In other words, take my glory and spread it all over the entire earth. And they were to be obedient to God and under the authority of God. And, under, and, and as long as they stayed obedient and under the authority of God, they had every resource of heaven at their disposal. But being in the image of God also means having a choice. And God is love. And to have the capability of love means that you also have the ability to choose. And there was one small prohibition, and it was to, they could eat from any tree in the garden, but there was one that they were, they were not supposed to eat of. And that was how God was to determine their, their obedience. But Satan comes and, and, and says, will you really die if you eat that? Did, you know what? God doesn't want you to, God just doesn't want you to be like him. You don't have to be under the authority of God. You can, you can be your own God. You can make your own rules. You can call your own shots. And unfortunately, man listened to that voice in the garden. And once he did, then everything changed. God says you eat from the tree of the, the knowledge of good and evil that you will surely die. And that's not just physical death. If you detach from the things of God, if you're separated from the things of God because life is in God and from God, if you detach from the things of God, it brings ongoing death and decay to your life. That's why you have people who are out in the streets, who are running the streets, who are living foul and wild and don't want anything to do with the things of God, and they're 30 years old and they look like they're 70 because they're detached from life. They're detached from from their source. And then you have 50-year-old people in the kingdom who love God and walk according to his ways. And they look like they're 30. What's the difference? One is close to God, following God. One is separated from God. And before the foundation of the world, Jesus knew that he was going to rescue his creation. And to not allow the devil in his deception to win but to do that he was going to step down from heaven this place of perfection and interject himself into fallen humanity to actually become 
just like us. Verse 14 says this, the word became flesh and dwelled among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And this is where I got the title to my message. In the Message Bible, the, the message paraphrase, Eugene Peterson translates that verse like this. The word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. The word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. God wasn't just a, a concept or he wasn't just here for this flash and this, this brief appearance that, that the word became flesh and moved in the neighborhood. God came, became relational. He became relational. First John says, we looked upon him. We, we touched him. We beheld his glory that God became one of us. And he not only taught and, and, and performed miracles, but he sat with people. And he talked with people, and he laughed with people, and he ate with people, and he did life with people. And sometimes he was even accused of spending time with the worst types of people, but that is why he came. He came to seek and save what is lost. And how many of you know that it's not the healthy people that need a doctor, but it's those who are sick? And that's why Jesus came. And so Jesus wasn't scared to share a table with the, the people that the rest of this world rejected because it was those people that he came to save. And as a man who is under the authority of the Father, full of the Holy Spirit, he becomes the example of how us as Christians are supposed to live our lives. See, Jesus became like us so that we could become like him. Jesus became like us so that we could become like him. Uh, it says, as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. To those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. See, somehow we got it messed up that, that, that the Christian life is just about observing religious practices and it's so much more than that it's not just about religious rituals and going through the motions we are called to be on a mission in the way that changes the world that is around us and most of the Christians that I know they have the same attitude that that, that I talked about earlier that I kind of felt for a minute like they're sitting around for God to do something like, God, why don't you do something about that? Why don't you do something about this? Why don't you do something about the crime? Why don't you do something about everything that's, that's going on? They're sitting around waiting for God to do something. And God is like, I did do something. I sent my son to show you how to live. To live the life that, that you could not live. To be an example. Amen. I did do something. Jesus went and died on the cross in our place for our sins. Because we talked about that the reason 
of all the waste and the decay is because of sin in the world. So Jesus had to deal with the problem of sin. So he, he lives the perfect life. He shows us how to live. And at the end of that, he offers up his life as a sacrifice because he didn't have any sin. Then he could pay the price for your and my sins on the cross. And so he dies on the cross. He, he's buried. Then he, on the third day, he, raised, he, he raises up victorious over death, hell, and the grave. For 40 days, he appears to a group of people. Then he ascends at the right hand of the Father, and he sends the Holy Spirit to come and live inside of us. He said that it's, it's to your advantage that I go away, because if I don't go away, then I can't send the helper, I can't send the advocate, I can't send the Holy Spirit. And it was always the plan of God to multiply himself. That's why it says that Jesus is the first fruits of a new creation. That he's the firstborn of a new creation. Now, if you're the first fruits of a new creation, that means that there's other fruits coming behind there. Amen? The firstborn means that there's going to be others who were born, not of a natural birth, but born of the Holy Spirit. Born again with a new divine nature placed inside of them. The Bible says the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives inside you and me. And that, was, and that was the plan of God. So when he was on the cross and he said, it is finished, his work was finished. And today he's seated on the right hand of God. And you might be saying, Lord, why don't you do something about this? And he's like, why don't you do something about it? Why don't you do something about it? Jesus Christ is the head of the church, and he's in heaven. But the church is the body. He's the lead, he's in charge, but we are the body of Christ. We are called to be the hands and feet of Jesus here in this world. And he says, if you go, then I will go with you. And Jesus is sent into a, a, a dark world, and just as he was sent, we are sent to every dark corner of the world. In his prayer in John 17, he says to the Father that just as you have sent me, I send them. So that we can walk right into the darkness and let our light shine. And not just shine for a minute, not just add a glimmer, but to shine our light in a way that dispels and destroys all of the darkness. How does the light actually destroy the darkness? It, it enters by being the light and staying present. By entering in and staying present. Like I can, I can shine a flashlight into a room and dispel the darkness. But as soon as I shut that light off, the darkness will come back. But if I go and I set a lamp in there and I leave it, the darkness never ever comes back. I was talking to a man before, and, and he, was, he was raising several hundred thousand dollars to do a crusade evangelism over in Africa. And they would have all these pictures of, you know, all these people coming, you know, to the crusade and all this. And I said, well, let me ask you, like, who follows up with all these people, like, after you leave? 
He said, I don't know. I, I did my job. My job was just to have the crusade. There needs to be pastors to do their job. So the light comes in and, and all this stuff happens and, and miracles happen and, and God moves, but then the light moves out and the darkness settles back in. That, that's not incarnation. I, I want you to, to think again of, of John 1.14 from the message that the word became flesh and moved into the neighborhood. He moved in. He stayed. He was present. And what if you and I... Instead of trying to separate our church life from our secular life, well, you know, this is my church life, and then this is my secular life. Like, maybe instead of doing that, what if we integrated our entire life the way it should be into one missional lifestyle, and that just as Jesus was sent, we are sent into every possible avenue, whether that's art, media, government, business, to be Jesus in that environment, to be the incarnation in that environment, and redeem it all for the glory of God. That's what we're called to do. And we don't really think about this as Christians, but what if we picked the place where we lived, not just based on what made us comfortable, or how the school taxes are, or what the school district is like. What if we decided to live in the place that needed the most light? What if we said, you know what, that place is in darkness. That's why I need to live there. I had somebody tell me the other day, they, they messaged me and they said, I could never live across from Moe's Market. I could never, if you don't know, it's right across the street. And, you know, there's a lot of characters there. There's a lot of activity that goes on and they said you know what I I could never live there and and, and I told her I said you know I said I, I had a house in Leedsdale it was a dead-end street it was really quiet it was very quiet hardly even any cars knew all my neighbors was very peaceful but I sold that house and I moved here because how can you deal with a problem if you're not willing to face the problem? And how many of you know that people aren't our enemy? The battle says that we don't war against flesh and blood, but we war against powers and principalities. And there was a time in my life where I was that lost person, where I didn't know any better before. And fortunately, somebody was there to pray with me, pray for me, believe that Jesus could save me, believe that Jesus could change me, and maybe there never becomes a change if we're not willing to go in and face the darkness and be Jesus in the hood. What if we picked our jobs not based on our hours or the one that gives us the best benefits or the one that, you know, allows us to do what we want or, or work the least? What if we worked in the place that needed the most light? Chaplain David Hawkins is here, and he's the chaplain of the Beaver County Jail. You know, he gets up from his comfortable bed every day and goes to the jail. Like most people, like, the only way that you're going to get them into jail is, I mean, you have to handcuff them and have people with guns that drag them into jail. 
he's decided to make a conscious choice that I'm going to go into a dark place. There's not like there's, I mean, he could do a lot of other things with his life. But he knows that that's a dark place. And he's going to get up every day and be the light in the middle of a dark place. See, once we, we stop seeing our lives divided into these sacred and secular compartments, then we begin to see ourselves as incarnational, that, that, that we can come in and that we move right into the neighborhood, that, that now wherever we're at, we become the shining light. So we have Jesus in the daycare. We have Jesus in Hussey Copper. We have Jesus in the college. We have Jesus in the cracker plant. We have Jesus out in the basketball courts. Like, that is what we're called to do. You might not all be called to be a missionary where you go in, into a foreign land, but we are all called to be missional and let our light shine before men and bring hope to the hopeless. Because I can tell you that, you know, we can, you know, we can wait. 2024 is coming up. It's going to be an election cycle, and everybody's going to get all worked up, and the news cycle's going to get worked up, and people are going to start fighting with one another once again. And I can tell you, yes, go and vote. Vote your values. Yes, it makes a difference, but that's not going to be the answer that's going to solve every problem in your life. There's one answer, and his name is Jesus. And enough people meet Jesus and have their heart changed, then trust me, things will change. Things will change. And so you might be asking yourself, like, where do I start? I don't know what to do, and I don't know where I'm going to start. Worship team, if you want to make your way up, where do you start? There's a story in John chapter 6, and you guys are all familiar with it, so I'm not going to read the whole thing, but there's a great multitude of people that, that follow Jesus, and they know that the people are going to be hungry and that it's getting late. And the disciples tell Jesus, you need to send them away because we can't feed them. We don't have enough to feed them. And Jesus said, you feed them. You feed them. So how, how are we going to feed them? I, you know, they, they said like two, 200 denarii worth of bread isn't even enough to give everybody a bite. This, this large amount. We don't, and we don't have anything like how are we going to feed everybody. And when we decide that we want to be the change. That Jesus called us to be ambassadors. And he called us to be the change that the world needs. Sometimes when you step out, you can feel like this is overwhelming. This is too much. I'm never going to be able to change this. I'm never, I'm never going to be able to, to, to make a difference here. And they're like, what are we going to do? And, and then all of a sudden, there's a little child that comes up. A couple loaves of bread and a couple fishes. And he said, here. This will help. What does Jesus tell us to come to? Come to with the faith of a child. 
to have childlike faith. Sometimes we sit there and we try to work everything out in our head that we need to do and we need to get done. And Jesus is just saying, just come with the faith of a child. I don't know what we were talking about, but I remember we were out and I think I, think I was going to, was getting ready to buy something and I remember, I, oh, I forgot my wallet. I forgot my wallet. It's going, what's wrong? What's wrong? We're going back and forth. And I'm like, well, I don't have any money. And I got a full cart of stuff. And Judah's like, I got some money. And he reaches in his pocket and hands me a crumpled up $1 bill. Right? It, it, wasn't, it wasn't enough to buy everything. But he, hey, you need money. I have money. That's what it was like. It's like, well, the people are hungry. Well, here, I... I here, Jesus, I got this. It says that Jesus took that little bit that that little boy gave and he, he broke it and he blessed it and he gave it. If you'll just take what you have and just start somewhere and just trust God that if I just do the next thing, if I just start with what I have and I give it, that God, you'll multiply it. The need is always going to seem greater than the resource. It's always going to seem a little overwhelming. It's going to seem like you're not able to do it. But if you just take whatever God has given you, whatever talent, whatever finance, whatever he's given you, and say, Lord, I, I'm just going to give this to you. And watch him multiply it. Watch him multiply. This whole thing that, that happened on Friday night, Really, even on that night, I didn't really even know what we were doing. The people who came and helped us set up, they can vouch for it. Because they were asking me, what do you need? What do we got? I'm like, I don't know. Just grab this, grab that, grab that. You know, I didn't know. I, I saw the boys that got killed and my heart began breaking. And I said, this can't be. We can't allow this to happen anymore in our community. I don't want any more little kids to die. And I don't want any kids to spend their life in jail. God, what do we do? And all I knew how to do is just, I don't know, just head out. Just, what do you got? And I just put a blurb. I said, Facebook post, Merchant Street Outreach. Everybody's like, well, what's that? What's God? I don't know. Just meet me at the church, and I'm, I'm going to figure something out. And we got a couple cases of cold water. We put them in a little cart and said, you know what? We're just going to walk down the street. We're just going to be present. Remember, the word became flesh and moved into the neighborhood. Said, you know what? We're just going to be present. We just began dragging that cart around, just talking to people and just listening to people. Asking people if they needed prayer. Then we got around at the end of the basketball court. And we seen a, a guy standing there with his little son. Said, I don't know. Nobody's here. Everybody's scared to come out. They're scared that their kid's going to be the next one. They don't want their kids involved in it. And I said, you know what? We need to make a stand right here. We need to make a stand right there. We need to be out here. We need to tell people, send your kids out. Send your family out. Come out. It'll be all right. We'll be there. We'll, we'll protect them. We'll stand up. The men, we have enough men in our church in this community that we will come out. We will stand up. We will not let the devil take our children or take our community. 
And everybody said, what are you doing here? I'll give you, here's some money for, for some food. And, and Sean said, hey, I got some hot dogs and I got some hamburgers and, and we already had some leftover water. And, and I said, well, we have a grill and we have a pop-up and we have a table. And then we just went and we set up and it was all to the glory of God. And now people are saying, I want to come. I love it. And hope's coming back in the community. And hope is rising once again in our community. And the darkness is fading away because we are here to stay. Jesus is in the hood. Amen. Amen. Could we worship him this morning? Could we close in worship? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we thank you, Lord. We thank you for what you've done, that you love the world so much, that you gave your only begotten Son, that whoever believed in him would not perish, but would have eternal life. That you loved us enough to not let us rest in our sin and in our muck and in our pain and, and in our decay that you came and Lord I thank you so much that there was people who went before me who prayed who believed God who laid a foundation that I could stand on Lord and I pray right now in the name of Jesus Lord that you would raise up a people who are bold and courageous and who are ready to go out and take the land, to take the land for their families, to take the land for their community, to raise up the name of Jesus and say there is only one name under heaven whereby men can be saved, the name of Jesus. We give you glory and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord.
How many of you know that greater things are yet to come? Amen. The greater things are about to come. Before we wrap everything up, I just want to give you the opportunity because to get to the greater things, you have to say yes to Jesus. You have to take that step. It starts with the first step. The Bible says that we've all sinned and we've all fallen short of the glory of God. That means me, you, everybody, we're all sinners and we're all in need of a savior. But if you will put your faith in Jesus who stepped down from heaven, became a man, lived the life we could never live, died the death that we should have died. If you can put your faith in Jesus, the Bible says that today you will be saved. That your sins will be forgiven. That you'll be brought out of the kingdom of darkness and placed into the kingdom of light. He'll send the Holy Spirit to change you, to change your life from the inside out and things will never be the same and you can be part of the change that is happening. If you're here today and you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, I wanna give you that opportunity. You've never put your faith in Jesus. Maybe you've even been religious, been to church, but you never, you've never had a time or a place where you said, you know what? I wanna put my faith in Jesus today. If that's you, I just want you to slip a hand up just say, today I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life. Is there anybody here? Anybody here before we close? Anybody here? Well, we have a, a, another situation is that uh, on Friday, I met a couple people who said that they wanted to be baptized. They said that they were believers and they wanted to be baptized. And so... 
we got the baptismal tank filled up. We got it cleaned up. And I don't see those guys here today. So I want to give you the opportunity as, as we close in service. If you've never been baptized, if you said yes to Jesus, but you've never been baptized in water, that, that's your first step of obedience. And what it, what it symbolizes, it symbolizes that as you go into that water, that, 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 that you, the old man is dead, that, that, that you die with all your sin and shame. And that as you go into the water, that, that all that's buried with Christ in the tomb. But as you come up, you're raised up to resurrection life. And it's a powerful spiritual experience. And I'm going to hang out by the front because I don't want Dan to feel bad that he spent time cleaning up the baptismal tank. And I'm more than happy to go in there. And today you can be baptized. All right? I'm going to go ahead and pray. And we'll dismiss the main service. If you want to be baptized, just come forward. If you want to stay in worship and fellowship, you can stay too. Lord God, I thank you for this day. I thank you that you are indeed God of this city. And Lord, I thank you that greater things are coming. Lives are going to be changed. Lord, that, that, that you're going to begin giving people plans and purposes that they never thought that they have. That you're going to bring the body of Christ together like, like you never have before. That every part is going to be put in place. And we're going to see an awakening and a revival like the world has never seen. And it's going to start right here in our community. It's going to start with us. And it's going to go all over the country. Lord, we give you honor and we give you glory. And I thank you for today. Lord, I pray that you bless each and every person as they go. And I send you out with all the authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and over all powers of the enemy. And until we meet again, may the blessing and the favor of our Lord Jesus Christ rest upon you and your house. This service is complete. Thank you guys for coming out today. I love you and Jesus loves you too. God bless.
somewhere. <laughs> I didn't know where it was coming from. That's what caused it. (laughs) That's what caused it. Asking it be given to you, seeking you will find, knocking it will open up, he will always provide, but God shows his love for us, even though we lie, that we are still sinners, Jesus Christ he died. Asking it be given to you, seeking you will find, knocking it will open up, you will always provide, but God shows his love for us, even though we lie, Mm -hmm. Jesus Christ, he died. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all of these things will be added to you. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all of these things will be added to you for I know the plans I have for you declares the Lord plans for welfare and not for evil to give you a future you a future and a hope, and a hope, and a hope, to be a future, and a hope, you are my provider, you are 
asking, it'll be given to you. Seeking, you will find. Knocking, it will open up. He will always provide. For God shows his love for us. Even though we lie. And while we are still sinners, Jesus Christ, he died. Take 
to be. Oh, to give you a future. That's where I froze at, yeah, I, yeah, yeah.
Letting it know that the Lord, he's, he's the provider. That's why, that's why I started with asking, he, he shall give it to you just, just to provide. Shame, I'm not perfect, but you're worth it. Oh, 
wanted one.